0: Good evening. Glad y'all are joining us this evening. We're going to uh, move right into our Wednesday night Bible study this evening. It's going to be a little bit different, but again, uh, it is the Word of God, and we're trusting that God's going to bless it. We're excited about the study, the opportunity to study His Word uh, tonight. Glad you're with us. Let's, let's start off with a word of prayer this evening. Dear Father we come, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for a day that you are faithful, that you are trustworthy, uh, that you are kind, that you are gracious, that you are our answer, you are our hope, uh, you are our peace, and all these things are settled in you. Lord, we're thankful uh, for the opportunity to come and to study your word tonight. Uh, we know your word is truth. We know that you've uh, prayed, and, and, and you've called for us to be set aside, to be sanctified, uh, made different through your truth. And so I pray that tonight uh, would be a supernatural event. I pray you would speak to us, that you would lead us. Uh, that you would direct us, and I, I pray that, that, again, it would be a blessing to us and that we, in turn, would be a blessing to you. We, we're thankful for this opportunity. We praise you for it, and we trust it to you. And I pray in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight we're going to start a four-week uh, Bible study, and we're going we're gonna to look at a question tonight, and actually for the next four weeks. Can a saved person be lost again? And a pretty good question. Can a person that is saved uh, ever be lost again? Is there a sin uh, that they could commit? Is there something that we could do that that they could do? Or is there something they could not do? Do they need to do something uh, to be saved? Could they renounce their faith? Is is there a a point that they could deny their faith or or turn against their faith? Uh, If a person is saved. Can they ever be lost again? And that's the issue we're going to take these four weeks and we're going, to, we're going to move through it. And it's going to be an awesome, exciting Bible study. And again, I'm glad that you're going to join us in it. Uh, this issue, some call it the issue of eternal security. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you've heard it called that. Some call it the, the perseverance of the saints. Uh, we'll talk about that title, that explanation. Uh, Some some simply say once saved always saved, and and I hear folks say, well, they're one of those folks that believe once saved uh, always saved, and so that's the issue we're going to look at. Uh, Understand tonight, uh, we want to develop a biblical answer. Uh, Let let me say this some some call this a Baptist doctrine, Uh, and they'll say, well, this is what Baptists believe, or this is what Baptists uh, hold as true. And, and I want to I say up front as we begin the study, and be very sure, in all things, in all issues, uh, we do not care about Baptist doctrine. Now, I don't know if you expected to hear a Baptist preacher say that, uh, but in all issues, in all things, and especially this, uh, we do not care about Baptist doctrine. We do not care about any uh, denominational doctrine or denominational belief. Uh, we do not care. I do not care what a church teaches uh, what a preacher teaches, what a pastor teaches. But understand, we want a biblical doctrine. And so in any issue that we look at, uh, we're not going to go say, well, what does this church say or what does this pastor say? What does this denomination say? We want to we know what does the Bible say about this issue? What has God said about this issue? And, and so remember that as, as you study on any issue, uh, we're not running to see this denomination's answer. We want to know what the Bible has said. And So with this question, our goal is to build a biblical foundation, to to arrive at a biblical answer, what God has said about this question. Can a saved person be lost again? All the way through the study, uh, I, I want you to keep asking and I want you to keep thinking, and this is this is the part that's going to require uh, some effort. But it, but all the way through the study, I want you to keep thinking, and I want you to keep asking, why does this matter? Why does it matter? Uh, in, in three weeks, one of our one of our lessons, we're going to look at the, the the laid out truth of why it does matter. But as we're progressing through, I want you to be thinking about why does this matter? Why would we care? Why would we take up? This study, and and really a bigger issue to think about uh, is this a gospel issue? Uh, I hear folks say, well, there's the essential issues, and then there's some issues that are not essential. Well, is this an essential issue? Is this a gospel issue? Does it impact uh, our understanding of the gospel? Does it change uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the biblical gospel, the gospel, the truth of what we believe? of Jesus Christ. Now let me, let me just tell you up front, I believe it does. Uh, I believe it impacts the gospel. I believe it is an essential uh, matter, and I believe it's an important doctrine to have settled in God's Word. And so I believe it's that big of a deal. And that's why we're, uh, we're taking this up the next uh, few weeks. Some would say, well, does it really matter? Can't we just get these things right? And, and do we really have to come and, and pin so much weight on this issue, I believe it does matter. I believe it is a gospel issue, and we're going to see we're going to see that. And I believe it is that big of a deal. And so, again tonight, if the question is, can a saved person be lost? Uh, the starting place for us tonight is, what does it mean to be saved? If we're going to if we're going to come to an answer, a conclusion of can a saved person be lost, then the starting place is to ask the question and to answer the question, what does it mean to be saved? Now that, that sounds like a simple thing, that sounds like, well, of course that's going to be the question, but understand that is foundational. In fact, that's going to be pertinent to the entire study, what does it actually mean to be saved. And I wonder how many folks that we would say, you know what, they are saved, or they might say, you know what, I am saved, and they would profess a saving faith. If we asked them, well, what does it mean to be saved? I wonder how many folks could tell us what it means to be saved. Now, let me tell you, if if you can't tell us what it means to be saved, that's a pretty big issue, because it's by this truth, this information, uh, that we that we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and so the starting place for the study uh, is th- to ask the question and to answer the question: What does it mean to be saved? I'll just tell you, this is my favorite subject. This is this is why I believe I'm created to answer this question. I believe this is what we exist for as a church, and so what an awesome thing to start this study. Uh, by, by answering the question. Now, you may be here and say, man, um, this is old hat to me. I've heard this a million times. Uh, well, you know what? It's going to be a good thing for you. We're going to go through and We're going to see some things, there, and it may uh, give us a, a greater understanding, a, a greater appreciation for the gospel. Or I want to tell you, I, my prayer is that some that would see this Bible say tonight have never put their faith in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, how will they believe if they do not hear? And so my prayer is that in hearing uh, the gospel of our salvation, the gospel, the good news of our, of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that even today, even this evening, uh, there could be folks put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so again, here's the foundation, here's the starting place. What does it mean to be saved? Uh, this is a huge question. Uh, we, could, we could spend hours and hours upon it. Uh, but, but there is a straightforward way to explain it, and that's what I'm going to try to stick to tonight, uh, prayerfully a, a clear uh, presentation of what it means to be saved. So the first, the first thing is this, our problem is sin. Our problem is sin. Understand, our problem is not self-esteem. Uh, we, we, we're living in an age when, when say some say, well, if you just had a better self-esteem, if you could just see yourself as you are or the good things that are in you, uh, your life would straighten out. Our problem is not self-esteem. Our problem is not social injustice, uh, all of the wrongs of society and the wrongs of the culture. It's not the environment that we're raised in. It's not uh, the things that we're dealing with in, in, in this current life. Our problem is Sin. Now, let me, let me say this. Uh, we are actually in an age where there are churches and, and there are so-called preachers that say, "What well, I'm not going uh, to talk about sin. I'm not going to talk about sin. I'm not going to address the issue uh, of sin. And, and that's what, what, what folks are, are sometimes saying. Well, I want you to understand, if you're not going to address the issue of sin, you're not going to arrive at the right conclusion about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our problem is sin. Here's the truth. We sin. I sin. You sin. I know what I ought to do. I don't do it. I know what I ought to stop doing, and, and I keep doing those things. We sin. The, the book of Psalms says that no one is righteous. Uh, righteous means in a right standing with God. No one is righteous. No one is good. Uh, the Bible says in, in the book of Psalms, not even one, not one person is good. The Bible says in the New Testament. The Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and have fallen short of the standard, the glory, the perfect standard of God. Let me just explain this. We've all sinned. Simple as that. We've sinned. You've sinned. I've sinned. We have all sinned. It's, it's interesting. In all of, all of my years, um, I've never really met anybody that says, I haven't sinned. I've never met anybody, they may argue some of these other points, but I've never met any person uh, that would argue the point point say, you know what, I'm not a sinner. We have sinned. I know I've sinned. Uh, I did it. I sinned. And you have sinned as well. Not one person has hit the perfect standard of God. Now, let me, let me explain that. Our God is perfect. He is perfect. He is sinless. He hates, in fact, the Bible says he hates sin. He can have No part of sin. Well, you know what? No person has ever hit that standard. The word for sin is is if you were to shoot an arrow at a target uh, and and you were to have the bullseye there, and that's the the standard, the mark of perfection. And if that arrow were to drift, were to fall and not hit the target, that's what it means to have sinned. We have fallen short. Not one person has ever lived without sin. Our problem is sin. We've sinned. Uh, The second thing to understand is this. Because of sin, we have broken fellowship with God. Now, remember, God is perfect. God is is perfect. He is holy. uh, And he can have no part of sin. He, He can have no part of sin. Well, when we sin, we've broken our fellowship with God. We've broken that relationship with God. Because of sin, we are guilty of our sin. I'm guilty in my sin. You are guilty in your sin. Now, in that guilt, we're also under the penalty of sin, which is death. Uh, the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23, says, The wages of sin is death. The word wages, it's a word we're not, we're not going to use too much these days, but it means what you've earned. If you've worked 20 hours, you're due 20 hours wages. Well, what you have earned by sinning is death. Um, we have earned death. It, it, is, it is the penalty, the payment, the punishment for sin. Now, here's, here's an interesting thing. We live in a world uh, that actually likes to displace that. And, and we live in a world that says, you know what, um, My parents are responsible for my sin. Well, you you don't know how I grew up, and you don't know who my parents were, and you don't know what it was like uh, to grow up in my house or my environment. If you'd have known how I grew up and where I grew up and I didn't have any choice, and, and and we like to blame somebody else. We like to displace that. Well, I want you to understand, because of sin, I am guilty. You are guilty. It's not my grandmother's fault, not my parents' fault. I sinned, I rebelled, I knowingly entered into sin, and so I am guilty of that sin. Uh, we are guilty. Sinners, we are guilty of our sin. Now I I want to I want to add to this. There's nothing we can do to fix that. Um, there, 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 there's not enough good deeds that we could do to fix that. Some religious systems teach, well, if you could, if you could do enough good things, you could somehow tip the scale. Uh, there's not enough good things to do uh, to remedy the fact that you're a sinner. You are guilty of the sin. There is nothing you can do, not, not good deeds, uh, to, to change that. You're, you're not able to have that penalty lifted off of you because you're somehow good enough. Some folks think, well, we get to the end, and a person was gracious, and and they would give you the shirt off their back, and and there's enough good somewhere in them that their guilt is going to be overlooked. Uh, Understand, God is just, and that's a big thing. He is perfectly just, and he upholds perfect justice. And so here's the deal. We have sinned. Because we have sinned, we've earned a punishment and and we have to have the penalty paid. To erase the penalty wouldn't be just. Think, think about that for a second. Uh, to, to just erase the penalty and say, you know what, you committed the crime and you've been convicted of the crime and you're guilty of the c- crime. But you know what? I'm just gonna let that go. I'm just gonna overlook it. That would not be just. Uh, to let some go and others not. Well, you're in my family. Well, I, I like your personality. Or, or you came out of this lineage, and so I'm going to let you go, but others are not. Uh, that wouldn't be just. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be fair at all. And so understand, God is perfectly just, and he upholds perfect justice. We are under the penalty of death. We are guilty for our sin. And so understand, here's the deal. We're sinners. The payment for sin is death. We are condemned. We are guilty. We have earned that punishment. We stand under that punishment. Third thing is this, and and, and it it really starts to to unfold right here. The third thing is this. Jesus is the answer for that. Jesus is the Savior for that problem, that dilemma. Jesus is the remedy for sin. Now, Now, follow with me. Go through this. God is just, and so the penalty must be paid. God is just. He's perfectly just. He's not going to say, well, just forget about it. Well, I like you. Let's move it, let's move it to somebody else's account or, or do away with it altogether. He is just, and so justice must be paid. The penalty must be paid. But here, see this. God is also gracious and merciful. He's gracious And merciful. Now, this is this is the most glorious thing of our gospel, I believe. How does perfect justice and and graciousness and mercy ever reconcile? Because if you show grace and mercy, that's not going to be just. And if you show exact justice, there's no room for grace and mercy. Well, here's the truth: the only time that will ever reconcile is in the person of Jesus Christ. The only way that it reconciles justice perfectly upheld, grace, grace, and mercy tenderly given. The only way that it reconciles is in our Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans 5:8, if you look there, it says, "God shows us His love, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now there's, there's tremendous verses in the Bible. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, there's a whole bunch of verses that we love. Uh, Maybe this verse is is about as clear as a picture of an illustration of of the gospel as there is. I I, want to walk you through Romans 5.8. God loves us. God shows, he demonstrates his love for us. I, I say this many times, the greatest miracle that I've ever seen is that God loves us. Uh, what well, about creation? I believe creation. What about the resurrection? Man, my hope is staked on the resurrection. But maybe the greatest miracle is that God loves us. He doesn't write us off. He doesn't cast us off into a trash heap. He doesn't say, well, you've reached this limit, and now I'm done with you. God loves us. And how much does he love us? He, he loves us so much that he demonstrates it in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, let me explain this. There has to be justice. The penalty has to be paid. Listen to what the verse says Christ died for us. He takes the penalty. The penalty is not lifted, the penalty is placed on Jesus. That's how He's just. The penalty is paid in Jesus Christ. Now, understand this He actually physically dies. Uh, There were some that would say, well, it's a spiritual death, a spiritual resurrection. Uh, He actually physically dies. His blood runs out. He he struggles to breathe. He, He dies there on the cross. Now, the Bible says he becomes our sin in that event. He takes our sin, and he pays for our sin in that event. The payment for sin, the wages of sin is death. Christ dies paying our penalty. He pays our death. He dies our death. That is the truth of the gospel. God loves you so much. He loves me so much as a sinner that Christ took the penalty and he paid it for us. He had never sinned. Had he sinned, he would have had to pay his own penalty. He doesn't sin. Because he hasn't sinned, he's able to offer himself. The Lamb of God takes our sin, takes our penalty, and pays for it on the cross of Calvary. Now, now moving along in that, we're sinners. Payment for sin is death. Jesus pays the death, pays the penalty on the cross of Calvary. Moving along in our progression, so what does it mean to be saved? I believe those things are a fact. In fact, I'll tell you, I know those things are a fact. but But what does it mean for me to be saved? How am I saved in that. Those those things are fact. We're sinners. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. Payment is death. God's Word confirms that. It is paid in Christ. God's Word says that. He is placed in the grave. He's actually physically dead. He has taken our sin. He's become our sin. He's paid for our sin in that death. And then on Easter Sunday morning, the day that we recognize On the first day of the week, they come to the grave, and the grave is empty. Now, I want you to see the significance of that event. The penalty is paid on the cross, the death, but the payment is received, and a receipt is issued in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And with sin paid for, death is now defeated, the grave is empty, he is alive. He stands as as the resurrected Savior, the risen Lamb, the risen King, and He is our Savior. The the receipt is issued, the payment is received, and He stands as the resurrected Savior. We, We have to know those things to be saved. We have to know about sin. And so I'll just tell you, if you're hearing a sinless gospel, you're not hearing the gospel. If someone's saying, well, we're not going to talk about sin here, they're not preaching the gospel. You have to know about sin. You have to know about the payment for sin. You have to know that the payment is death. If you don't know what the payment is, you do not possess the gospel, the truth of the gospel, that there had to be a payment uh, for your sin, and you have to know about Jesus. You have to know that he came and he lived, and he's the Lamb of God that would take our sin, uh, that he is the one, the Savior, sent from God. He's the Christ, the Messiah, promised all the way back in, in, in early Genesis, promised as the, as the line of Abraham, the line of David, uh, promised as the one that would be the propitiation, the, the Lamb of God that would take away, the, the sin of the world. You have to know about Jesus if you're ever going to be saved. You know what? The problem is sin. You know what? There's a payment that is death. And Jesus is the answer. He's the remedy for sin. And then here's the thing about all of that. Then you have to trust that that transaction was made in Jesus Christ, that he is the Savior, that it is paid in him. You, you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ as the, as the Messiah, as the Christ. Um, Romans chapter 10 verse 9, Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, uh, if, if you'll believe in your heart, if you'll profess With your mouth, what you believe in your heart, you are saved. Romans 10, 9, 10, 13. You are saved. Let let me explain saved. There's a point when Christ will come again or you will pass away. And on that point, God is going to have one question. Are you perfect? Are you perfect? And you're going to have to say, well, no, I'm a sinner. I've sinned. And and the Bible says that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we're forgiven of that sin. When we repent of our sin, I'll explain that in a minute, turn away from our sin. When we trust Jesus as our Savior, as the one that that paid for sin and lives in the receipt of the payment being received, uh, when that happens, we're saved. And so now when God sees us, he's going to ask that question, are you perfect? And as we start to say no, and we start to give all the reasons why, he's going to say, you know what? All I see is the perfectness of my son, Jesus Christ. He has exchanged his perfect record for your record of guilt and shame and sin. The Bible says when that happens, by faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved. You're saved. How are you saved? By faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I want that to start to echo in your head, and maybe maybe you know that, but I want you to, to, to celebrate that tonight. You are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. If you're here, and you're hearing this, and you've never trusted Jesus, you are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to see this. Did you do it? No, you didn't do it. Did you pay the penalty? No, you didn't do it. Did you go and you you paid for your death? No, you didn't do it. Did you earn it? And I think one of the the bad things of the church is we say, you know what? If you'll come to church enough, if you'll memorize these verses, if you'll do all these things, then you're worthy to be saved. If you'll put bumper stickers on your car and carry a big Bible, then you're ready to be saved. Listen, not one person has earned it. You didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. I didn't do it. We didn't earn it. Did you finally get there? Well, maybe you finally got there. No. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Jesus paid the penalty. Jesus took the penalty. Jesus died my death. Jesus resurrected. He lives, he lives, resurrected from the grave. Jesus took care of it. And belief in Him, trust in Him, saves you and saves me. When you you grab that gospel, the good news of Christ, and when you trust Him and when you repent of your sin, now what that means is you turn away from that garbage and you turn away from that mess and you're turning to Jesus Christ in faith. The good news of the gospel is you are saved. I'm not good enough to be saved. Nobody is. Well, I didn't do enough things. Nobody can. Well, I, I, I should have had a part in it. Nobody can. You're saved by faith. In Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, uh, you, become, you, you become the righteousness of God in him, in Christ Jesus. Uh, the, the, the New Testament picture is if you were to put on a robe, uh, you, you, you put on the robe of Jesus Christ, and your sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west, you're removed of your sin, and you become the righteousness of Of God in Christ Jesus. You're forgiven of your sin. Because you're forgiven of your sin, you're able to be restored in your relationship with God. You're made new. The Bible says you're a new creation. You are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. How are you saved? We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Did you do something? You didn't do something. Did you earn it? Not one person has earned it. Did you finally get there? You didn't finally get there. It was done in the finished work of the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Now let me, let me show you a verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now I want you to see, we're about to wrap this up, but I want you to see what Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is saying to us. We are saved Because of God's love. But God demonstrates His love for us and while we were yet sinners. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. We are saved because of God's love. We are saved because of God's provision of a lamb. The the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the promised Savior from God, the seed of the woman that would stomp out the, the serpent's head. We are saved because of God's provision of a Savior in Jesus. We're saved because of God's power. It it was his power, the power of God that walked Jesus out of the tomb, out of the grave. The resurrection is in the power of God. It was God's grace and in God's grace that we have it offered to us. It's in his grace. It wasn't because you did something. It's in God's grace. It is God's power that brings it to fruition in us. When you trust him, you're saved in his power. You're made new in His power. You're forgiven in His power. It was God's love. It was God's provision of a Savior. It is God's remedy, Jesus. It is God's power, the resurrection of Christ. It is God's grace that offers it to us. Understand this, and this is the point of the lesson, and this is where we'll build as we head the next few weeks. Understand this. You did not do anything to be saved. That's the bottom line of this message. You did not do anything to be saved. There was no act that you did, no work. No work. There was nothing. Well, there wasn't something you had to add to be saved. There was no duty. Do these things and be saved. You did nothing, not one thing. You did not do anything for your salvation. It was done through Christ. Our song, and I, I think about how Uh, important our songs are the songs we sing jesus saves jesus saves song jesus paid it all all to him i owe jesus paid it all listen it was actually literally fully finally done in the person of jesus christ we receive it by trusting in him by faith in him we did not do anything to be saved here's how i want to end if you understand that, that, that has to, to, to really blow your mind to think about God's grace. And I, I, I thought about that this afternoon, and I, and I thought about that as I was preparing this. And really the last few years, uh, this understanding has, has grown. Uh, when you understand that you are a sinner... And you understand that your sin made you an enemy of God. That's what the Bible says. When you understand there was nothing you could do, not one thing you could do. When you you understand that that Christ comes and he he takes our beating, he lives without sin, he goes to the cross and he's punished for, for me and for you. And when you understand that in that, in his resurrection, in that, that God is so kind that he offers us the grace To be saved by faith. That we could wear the robe of righteousness. We could wear the the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If we could ever see those pieces. And and maybe tonight that's the point of this Bible study. Is that some of us would say, you know what, I've I've known that and I've trusted that. Maybe tonight you would see these pieces. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We, We love that song. Oh, that we would see the grace that we have in a salvation By faith not of a single work, lest any man should boast. And I don't don't know, middle of the week, it's Wednesday night, Wednesday evening. What an awesome thing to to be able to say. We are saved in the grace of God. What an awesome, mighty, powerful, gracious God we have. Oh, the grace of God. And then the last thing is this, and this is how we'll end. There, there may be some, and I, and I believe there probably are, who are hearing this right now, and they've never trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, and maybe, they've, maybe they went to church as a kid and they, they thought, you know what, I did something in the fourth grade or, or vacation Bible school or in, in a youth group or, or my grandmother used to pray for me. But they, they didn't know these things. And, and, they, and, and they've come to this point and said, you know what, I, I don't know if I'm saved. Or maybe there's some saying, you know what, I've I've faked it, but I've never never trusted him. I've never submitted to him and and trusted him, giving him uh, the only place of Lord in my life, following him as Lord, trusting him for my salvation. Or maybe you're here and you've never even heard this. And and you're you're listening to this and saying, I've never heard that. I want to tell you the answer for all of those folks is the same answer for all of us. Understand you're a sinner. Understand God in His, in His, in His grace has, has paid the penalty through Jesus Christ. And to simply say, you know what, I've had enough of that, and I turn in repentance and in, in faith and receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here and you're listening to this and you're not sure. Maybe you've never done it. Maybe you've never heard it. But if, if, this, if this is talking to you tonight, I want to tell you your answer is this. You know what, Lord, forgive me for my sin. I'm sorry for my sin. Christ, save me. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. There, there, there are some that would say, well, there's not a prayer that, that saves us, and I know there's not a prayer that saves us. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But the way we talk to him is in prayer. The way we talk to God is in prayer. And so I, if I'm talking to you and you're listening and you're hearing this tonight, I, I want us to pray tonight, and I want us to settle this tonight. And so I'm, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And if this is talking to you now, then, then, then it's not my prayer. It's not even a, a biblical prayer. It's just our heart's response to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come, and I'll just tell you, I'm a sinner, and I did it, and I earned it. I have a punishment, a penalty, and I earned it. It's not my, not my environment's fault, not my parents' fault. I did it, and I understand I earned a penalty, and I, I learned that from your word. I believe it. But I also know that, that about 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. And he was promised and he was foretold and he came as the Lamb of God. He never sinned. And he took my sin, my filth, my sorry sin, my rebellion, and he took it to the cross of Calvary. And there they beat him until he wasn't in the form of a man and couldn't tell who he was. They, Lord, for my sin, they pulled the beard out of his face. For, for my sin, they stripped him naked. Lord, I'm sorry. For my sin, Jesus, you died, paying my penalty. But Lord, I believe you're risen, you're resurrected. I believe with the penalty paid, the receipt was issued, and you stand as the living Son of God, the Lamb of God, the risen Savior. And right now, I trust you for my salvation. Lord, save me. And Lord, I thank you for the grace that I could be saved. I praise you, and I worship you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If that was you tonight and you prayed that prayer, I'd sure like to know that. And and, and tell somebody, I don't know where you're at tonight, tell somebody, let them know the decision you've made. Uh, If you can get a hold of me, I'd sure like to know that. What an awesome, gracious Savior that is. his salvation, his righteousness, a covering of righteousness is offered to us through Jesus Christ. If you're here and you're here this night and you are saved, we ought to just rejoice the rest of the night for the grace of a loving Savior. What an awesome, gracious God. Glad you're with us tonight. Looking forward to next week as we continue our study. I'm going to end it with a word of prayer. Grandfather. Father, we come and again. We're thankful for your word. I pray that we would be hearers of your word, that we would be doers of your word. I pray we would be shaped and trained by your word. I pray that we would be agents Speakers, testifiers of the gospel we just heard. And then, Lord, our our closing thought tonight is this. We're so thankful for your grace. We're so thankful for your grace. I praise you, and I thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.